welcome back to the Fort Dodge Leadership Podcast. I'm here joined today with Rachel Black. I, well, I should introduce myself. I'm Nathan Lawrence, if we haven't met before, and I'm uh, an associate pastor here at Prairie Lake Church Fort Dodge. I'm joined with Rachel Black, who is an associate area director for InterVarsity and also a leader here at our church in, in some volunteer capacities, a small groups coach and a leader in our worship ministry and so, Rachel, thanks for joining in on the podcast today. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this is your first time on the conversation. Ah. So welcome. Um, and I think we'll have lots of fun chatting today uh, about this topic of situational leadership. So for those who don't know what we're going to be talking about, situational leadership, um, can you give us just a really broad stroke view of like what is situational leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so situation leadership is kind of a, a training that you may or may not receive in like the work world. Um, so it's out there. You might have heard of it. You might not have. Um, but it's basically a way of identifying how to coach or lead another individual. But likewise, it's also really good to identify what you need um, from a leader as yeah. well. It's kind of a, a way to create shared language um, between someone who is being led so we as leaders, we're always um, in the process of either turning over responsibility to someone else or training up someone to take on responsibility. And situational leadership is a framework to kind of view that through as you're working with somebody. Is that? Yes. Um, it can help uh, eliminate some of the guesswork between uh, people and their needs um, and helping to for a, a leader or a coach in a situation to be able to match the right amount of leadership for what that person needs um, and is wanting in their particular situation, in that timing, where they're at. Um, so it's great um, eliminating some of that guesswork. You're like, how do yeah. I help this person? Oh, let me think through this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to be having the conversation about situational leadership today. This is not a full-on situational leadership training. Right. You're not like a licensed, no. Ken, is it Ken Blanchard maybe? I don't know. You're not a licensed <laughs> Uh, you know, sponsor of this thing. It's just, a, it's a tool that you've learned through InterVarsity that you kind of use um, with your coworkers and that's yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I am not an expert or sage, <laughs> um, but I have, yeah, I found it extremely useful. Um, it's really um, helped me uh, not only grow myself in helping me to identify and tell somebody, hey, this is actually what I really need and would be helpful for me right now. Um, but it's also, I think, helps me be a better coach and, um, and leader to others as well. On a really practical level in volunteer teams, I see this a lot where, um, so let's take small groups, for example. Uh, you might have a coach who's overseeing three to five small group leaders, and two of those leaders have been leading small groups for decades. Um, <laughs> two more of those leaders might be kind of new to it. They know the Lord. They've been walking with him for a while. Um, but maybe like small groups is a new concept for them. And then there's the one person who just got dragged into this and they're like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Like, okay. And they're like, so now here you are as a coach and you've got these people on totally different ends of the spectrum, or you've got a worship band full of uh, a beginner and intermediate and advanced and everything in between. Um, how, how does situational leadership show up in those kind of context? Sure. Um, well, for me personally, it helps me not freak out. 
Um, so if I could look at a, a whole bunch of people, um, you know, it, it one particular way to lead them is probably not going to work. All those different places, those ages and stages that they're in. Um, w- one type of leadership might annoy somebody else <laughs> yeah. uh, or cause disconnection. Um, and really, that's what I feel like is um, when you are leading somebody and you can individualize your approach, you're fueling connection. And when you fuel connection with anybody, I feel like that opens up so many different avenues uh, it, for growth, for, um, for ministry to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's customizing uh, leadership for what the person needs at that moment, at that situation, mm-hmm. hence the title. And um, very cool. All right. So. What would a leader be likely missing out on if they didn't use this idea of situ- situational leadership strategies? Like, what would, what, what might they end up accidentally doing, or what, what might they miss out on? Sure. Well, I can just speak from my own experience. Um, I think before I started thinking about situational leadership, um, I approached every um, person I was leading the same, mm-hmm. um, and mostly, I my default was kind of like, oh. Um, I want to give them space. I maybe I don't want to micromanage them. So I'm going to let them go ahead and just try a bunch of things out. And then um, I will follow back and check in and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that worked for some people. Um, but what I found out in situational leadership, the thing that I actually probably struggle with the most is when to give specific direction to people. Okay. When actually they need a step-by-step approach. Sometimes for me, that can feel like... I'm being micromanaged or almost too much. Um, and so I may not always prefer that, but there are times and situations for people where actually that is exactly hmm. what people need. Um, and it's serving to them. It's a felt need. Um, they feel loved and known and seen and encouraged and yeah. led well. Um, and what I was experiencing in before this was that um, that wasn't what I would do naturally for a lot of people. And then so some people were actually kind of uh, frustrated <laughs> yeah. um, and I yeah so I learned a little bit about how to be more direct uh, in preparation for this conversation I just kind of skimmed through the situational leadership website and one example they gave was this I- idea of like there's a company picnic coming up and someone has to organize it and depending on what situation so, so you're, you're handing this task to somebody okay to, to lead the whole thing um, and depending on if that person is brand new to the organization, they've never been to a picnic for your company, ranging all the way to they've been around for 20 years and they've been, and they've actually led the last few, you could hand, let's say like your own personal step-by-step binder of how to do this. And it might feel very like empowering and helpful to the person who's like brand new and no, and no context and really like disrespectful and you know, to those two extremes yes. and really disrespectful yes. to the, yep. to the experienced person. So that's kind of like some of the situations we might find ourselves in. There's similar things to that basically. Yes. I think the word that they often use is matching your leadership. So it's like you want to match your leadership to what somebody needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like giving a binder to somebody who has a lot of experience, feels cool, confident, like, Oh, I've done this before. I've, you know, I've led these events before and you're like, oh, sure. Well, here's my giant binder of all the ways that I did this. And it uh, sounds, you know, it yeah. feels like, oh, that's really disrespectful or not affirming mm-hmm. that they have done these things before. Um, but if you have somebody who's like, 
just excited to try. They're really excited and they're pumped, but they've never done this in their entire life. Then like, oh, well, here's this binder. It feels different. Oh, thank you so much. Like, I didn't even know where to start, you know? Yeah. Um, And sometimes maybe the lack of success we experience with people, either they fail to thrive in the task we've given them, um, or we feel disappointed or surprised by how things went, or... The event went well, but we sh- it sure didn't go well between us relationally as that was taking place. What I'm hearing you say is that if we've used the wrong leadership for the wrong situation, we can find ourselves in those sort of uncomfortable or, you know, f- some failed results kind of situations. Sure, absolutely. I think it can be a spectrum. I mean, worst case scenario, they are so frustrated with your leadership, they want to bail and never yeah. want to come back. Um you know, best case scenario, they're a little annoyed and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it, but yet they'll move on. So, I mean, everyone is different even in that kind of spectrum. And sometimes it's just, it could be repeated things over and over again. Um, maybe one thing won't necessarily be um, the nail in the coffin, but yeah. after a while, maybe it, it, like I said, I think it fuels connection to match leadership. Hmm. Um, and when you, when you feel like somebody isn't giving you what you need to succeed well, you often feel disconnected and that can just grow and grow. Yeah. So let's dive into the specifics now that we have that like picture of what we're about to be talking about. Um, so there's four quadrants to situational leadership, four different categories. Uh, can you walk us through um, the four names and the descriptions of the, are they, are they the four situations or like, I don't know how they would be. Well, yeah. So my experience is they're named, um, numbers, um, and, and the, the, how I usually like to refer to them is, um, from my, like myself, like how I want to be led. And that if you do that, you would say D1, D2, D3, D4, but you can think about one, two, three, and four of these different stages. Mm -hmm. Um, and they basically coincide under two things. One, what kind of direction, how much direction do I give a person? Mm-hmm. And two, how much support do I give a person? So in any situation, we might need more of one and less of the other, or we might need both. And so each stage kind of helps you identify that, or at least provides a conversation around that to mm-hmm. uncover some of the nuance <laughs> that is often <laughs> in every situation in person. So help me understand the difference between direction and support then, because... They, they feel a little bit similar, but like what would be an example of something that's direction versus something that's support? Well, I can give you a real easy example. Um, how about learning to ride a bike? Okay. So for example, when I was teaching my son Aiden how to ride a bike, um, he would be classified as D1. Never did it before. He He's really excited though. He's seen other kids ride a bike. Hmm. So there's this level of high excitement um, and, but low, but like doesn't know how to do it. So what I needed to do was come around him and say, okay, we're going to ride a bike. That's awesome. Now here's what you do. You're going to sit on the bike. You're going to put your, pedal, your foot on the pedals. You know, I'm going to put my hand behind you. Hey, let's have a code word here so that when you feel like you can let go, you know, then you just tell me. And mm-hmm. our code word at the time was pecan pie because he <laughs> just was, loved pecan pie at the time. <laughs> it seems intuitive to me. <laughs> right? I don't know why you would have picked anything so, else than that. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, and so just gave him very specific things like that. This is what you do, how you do it, when I'm going to do it. That's the um, direction. That's high direction. Okay. But low support. I don't need to tell him 
hey, you know what? This is going to be the most awesome thing in the entire world. You're going to love this so much mm. because he already feels that way. He doesn't need a cheerleader. No. At that point. No, he just need, you know, he's seen other kids do it. He's like, this is fun. I want to do this. I'm mm. super excited, but I just don't know how. So mm. I gave him high direction. So that's the first stage. Now, the second stage sometimes does come after this first stage. Um, and that is you might encounter a, some sort of obstacle, a challenge, a hurdle that okay. would get you a little frustrated. So we're moving into quadrant two now, D2. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that like sometimes the thing that moves people from one to two is like an obstacle or hurdle or yes. setback. Uh, something ha- maybe hasn't gone the way that you anticipated. Um, you could be burnt out, <laughs> tired, emotional. Um, there might be a few situations that have occurred that have just brought you down. Like a, a lot of it is just, there's something challenging that's happened. Um, and that somehow takes you out of the excitement stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're no longer super pumped about this anymore. Um, to the degree you were. Um, and so, and when you go to D2, uh, it's high support and high direction. High support, high direction for that. So Aiden was on his bike. Okay. okay? He went it and he fell. And now he's like, now he's, now he's crying. Now he's upset. Now he's mm. scared. Okay. He's like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I'm not sure I can do this. If I don't, If everything you know. had been smooth. Yes. There really wouldn't have been, has been as much need for support, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. So before he was excited, now he's like, he's encouragement. You know, it's like, no, actually, you did a great job. And this does take time. This does take a little bit of practice. You're not going to get it right away. And that's okay. You know, but I know you can do it. I know you're capable. I know you have what it takes. So that's the encouragement. That's the high support. Mm. Um, and then direction, again, high direction. And we're going to do this again. All right? So it's okay. Don't, don't worry. We're going to, you know, we're going to get through this. Put your feet on the pedal, you know. <laughs> Get on the seat again. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have my hand right here for you. I'm not going to let go until you say pecan pie. It's okay. I won't let go until you say, pe- you know, like just yeah. that. It's very specific. It's still very clear. Very clear. Very like A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. And also. Because they aren't experts yet, no, essentially. They're like, not. Yeah. He's still learning. And you're, it's also like kind of the coaching, teaching, like, oh yeah. Well, the reason that you struggled at that point is because you're, wheel is leaning a little bit to the left so it's like the uh, is is that a part of it too then is is oh, like yeah. the, that I, the direction is changing to even maybe a little bit more of like let me advise you on how to respond to that obstacle that you hadn't anticipated yes absolutely okay yeah it could be yeah and also i think anytime we're continuing to grow in anything we uh, we have some stages of instability that we walk through and we, mm-hmm. and I think we all go through a stage two, <laughs> a D2 time mm-hmm. at one shape or another. Um, and so it's nice to have someone say, hey, this is what you do. Again, but also you got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be okay. And in our context of ministry, I think prayer is a really big component. Yeah. Well, prayer is great for every stage, but I feel like in this stage, <laughs> it's a, it's a deep felt need. <laughs> and if you had only given encouragement, but not any direction, they'd run into the same failures, but they sure would be affirmed in there. Yeah. And then if you'd only given direction, but not encouragement, it's almost like heavy handedness. Like, yeah, you're not, just keep doing the thing that I told you to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So both feel like they have a part to play. Okay. Somebody is in a D2 stage. So you have given so much encouragement and so much direction 
they're making it into D3 quadrant. What, what is that now? So the, the third quad is like, okay, they, they have some confidence now. So Aiden fell down a couple times. We kept, we repeated some steps. Um, and now he's learning balance and he's got it to a degree. Um, and now he's riding around our yard like a champ. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I got this, you know, and you know, he's showing off to his brothers and he's like, check out this cool big thing that I can do. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't necessarily need high direction anymore, mm-hmm. but occasionally he might fall down. Occasionally, you know, he'll, he might hit a bump and he might get hurt or scrape a knee. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to need support. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need me to come around him and say, okay, go back to your bike, put your feet on the pedals. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold on to you. You know, I don't have to go through all of that again with him, yeah. but I will have to come around him and be like, oh, wow. Yes. Ouch. That hurts. I've fallen like off my bike too. And I know how that feels like empathy is a good hmm. uh, way to describe sometimes the support that can be, that can be needed in this stage encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, or just like continuing to be like, I see you riding your bike and you're looking and you do awesome. Like, it, you know, it's okay if every time you might, you might fall every once in a while, but, yeah. um, but just encouragement, support, empathy, um, just feeling connection with that person that, that you're, you're in this with them, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need you to like tell you, tell every single step now. And to put it another way, it sounds like if you were to keep just going back to every single step, it would be deflating actually, where it would have been encouraging in the first two phases, but now it's like, oh my gosh, again, I got to sit through this training, (laughs) (laughs) essentially. Um, And we see this definitely not just in the bike example, but in other, but maybe some of our ministry or leadership or workplace scenarios where... um, the people are bored out of their mind because they're having to sit through the same trainings and they already know yes. this. That's a great example. Yes. Um, <laughs> like I don't, I, I just need a little bit of time and, and a little bit of attaboy to do this. Yes. Um, yeah. Teacher professional development. Sometimes people feel like, like older teachers feel that like, Oh, we've learned like this. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then what constitutes D4? D4 is basically like, it's really, you don't really need direction and you don't need support. You are good to go. You are like, you just need to be checked in. So, okay. um, and every once in a while you might need encouragement. Every once in a while you might need a little direction, but like, it's very, um, it's like this person know, like knows what they do. They have a, there's mm-hmm. a competency mm-hmm. about who, what they're doing already. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a comfortability about what they're doing. So um, you just kind of send them. So that's basically like, okay, Aiden knows how to ride a bike now. Like I say, okay, you're going to go outside? Yep. Are you going to ride your bike? Cool. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about him falling really anymore. He hasn't fallen in years, you know, so he's good. He's good to go. And so yeah, I might have to worry about other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, is he going to use it? Is he going to build a ramp and ride a bike off a ramp? You know, we yeah. live on a farm, so who knows? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Anything's possible. Yes. So I want to check in with him and make sure that he is not, you know, hmm. devising a way to kill himself. Yeah. But uh, but mostly I see that he has a competency and a skill level that he can go out there and ride a bike. And I don't, he doesn't need me hovering. He yeah. doesn't need me like, oh, are you going to be okay? Oh, no, no, no. You got to put your, you got to be on a pillow. You know, put your, put your, uh, that, that this stage especially feels if you give high direction, they're going to feel micromanaged. Yes. Put your, put your feet on the, ga- <laughs> on the pedals would be so far beyond. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't yeah. need that. I've done that. Oh my gosh. I'm so past that stage. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I've definitely felt that in different, I'm, I'm thinking now of moments where I've been, um, at a stage of expertise in something and someone comes along and they're like, Hey, can I, can I give you some feedback on that? And then the feedback they give, like, Oh man, like I, I knew that I just made a mistake. Like, you know, I just, I didn't need a retraining. I just, I kind of blew it and I know it and it, and it can feel deflating. Yes. Yeah. And so a a great coaching tool for this stage is, is asking clarifying questions is helping. It's Mm -hmm. really leading a person to more self-discovery. It's like, they already know, um, what, you know, really what they're doing Mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, I mean, maybe there was some way that something happened up where there was, but they could probably, they probably could identify it themselves what that is. And so instead of being like taking them back to school, yeah. You know, um, it'd be more of asking like, well, what do you think happened? You know, what, what would you do differently next time if you had to do it over again? You know, mm-hmm. uh, having kind of uh, some reflective questions to help mm-hmm. them actually process and discover it themselves. Uh-huh. So I have all sorts of questions now that we've kind of walked through all four. Uh, one of them is, does everyone get through all four phases? Is that the goal for everyone to make it to D4, would you say? So that's a great question because I think it is easy to put a value on each stage. Hmm. Like, oh, if I reach D4, well, that means that I'm an expert. And I've made it. And if I'm D1, well, that means I'm a novice. And I don't ever want to be D1 in anything again. Hmm. <laughs> um, but actually, that's where this is really great reflective tool for ourselves. Um, because there's all, no matter where we are, um, for example, like I, you know, I uh, do a lot of ministry in my job. Yeah. Um, so I might feel really great, really confident at doing small groups, but I've never done a small group at Prairie Lakes Church. So like when I'm yeah. coming into Prairie Lakes and doing a small group with Prairie Lakes Church, I'm D1. Even sure. even though I have a lot of this skill and expertise, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, in this other field, um, I, I still I'm still a learner. I've still never done this. And I can be excited. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, I want I. In fact, I can remember when I came in, I think um, it was the Roman study mm-hmm. well, several years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I'm excited, but I've never done a study with Prairie Lakes before. So what did they, what, how do they do a study? What's this book look like? How am I going to teach this book? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and so I'm learning now I might move quickly. Mm-hmm. I might move quickly out of D1 pretty fast. Yeah. But I still always, you're going to start whenever you start something new, you're going to be in that D1 and place and that's okay. Yeah. Like just even acknowledging that, embracing that and not trying to be like, oh, I have to be D4. <gasps> yeah. You know, just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to learn in this part, this period of time. And I'm excited and I'm just going to need a little bit of direction and then I can move past and I can go. So for you or me as an individual, we might be uh, responsible for a wide variety of tasks and, and things going on. In some of those things, we're D4. Simultaneously, we're D3, D2, D1 in other aspects of what we're being asked to do because, oh, I'm trying a brand new thing I've never tried before. Or someone asked me to add something to my plate that I've never... And, and so that insecurity is um, okay to express. That it, it doesn't mean that I, as an entire individual, am now a D1 individual. Right. It can <laughs> right. kind of give me permission to say, oh... I am a competent person, but yet I am D1 in this area. And so I can reach out for help. I can ask for coaching. And um, and even I think that's the heart behind this podcast today is to I can quickly use some shorthand ling- language to express to someone I could really use some direction right now and not just an attaboy, girl, 
which I think is sometimes what we do. Um, it does feel counterintuitive to me. Um, as you move from one to two to three to four, it, like if you were to ask me, do you need the most of everything at the beginning? And then it all kind of gradually tapers off. I would say, yeah, that seems intuitive. But actually, the first stage, you don't need all of everything. The direction is more important. And then phase two, you need the most. Yeah, yep. <laughs> phase two, you need the most. <laughs> Which just, that's counterintuitive. Um, and then from there, it becomes more intuitive to me that it, it tapers off. And, and the framework gives some specifics for how it tapers off. But I think a lot of us have been guilty of treating a one like a four. Um, like, you know, you got this. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. And they're like, uh-huh. And they, they don't want to let you down, but they know it's not going to be great because they don't know how to do it. And um, Sometimes asking for direction makes you feel like you I, I'm sometimes it makes you feel shameful. I mean, mm, depending yeah. on your upbringing, depending on where you're coming from, if you're coming from, if I have to ask someone for direction, that means I really am not good enough. And if you have this, like, mental dialogue in your head <laughs> that is like, you you know, oh, out, you have to achieve this or you have to do it yourself hmm. like, it could feel like oh man should I like ask for it big like step so this is shame removal yes, for asking total for help. shame removal yeah. yes <laughs> it also kind of feels like a way to in a non-prideful way say I really don't need direction from you right now true because yes. uh some I don't know if if you're so right now what I'm thinking of is let's say somebody joins the worship band and they've done this at a previous church. Okay, and they step in, and they do know how to play certain chords and whatever. Um, let's say I didn't pick up on that, and I'm not in my situational leadership healthy mode, and I start, like, showing them some things on how to how to play certain chords that without them saying, like, I don't need this direction because I'm, I'm better than that. Right. Like, they can just say, <laughs> no, I'm feeling pretty d2 d3 even d4 on this area and well if you said d2 you would probably be like oh okay well hold yeah. on <laughs> first of all let me pray for you, <laughs> you <know>? yeah yeah <laughs> but um but yeah that's that's a great example because that person could say oh yeah i think i'm i feel d4 right now yeah. like if you could just check in with me that'd be awesome like mm -hmm. um and then let them decide what they need from you is a great D4 place. That's a good example. I find this too uh, in the, in small groups ministry. We have uh, coaches who um, are working with leaders and, and supporting leaders that some of them, they, they really have been doing this successfully for some time now. So it can take a coach off the hook from feeling like, all right, I got to do my duty and check in this certain amount in this certain way with every equally, you know, to check in equally is not, I, I think what this this method is sort of saying is that like, to give equal amount of the kind of leadership that everybody needs is not to give them equal interactions, uh, equal types of interactions or identical types of inter interactions. Yes. Like it, it can be, it could actually be equally serving to everybody for you to give a lot of time to a few and very little time to some uh, in a respectful kind of way. But you also, even when someone is D4, you never just like set it and forget it and like, I don't know, I'll see you next year. Right, right. Well, I think that's something, you know, for anybody who's had to coach a Nathan Lawrence or a, <laughs> or a Kyle Dana, you know, it's uh, I think we've had, you know, as a small group coach, we've had conversations of like, well, what do we do? You know, like, I mean, they'll be fine. Yeah. But 
you've even indicated like, actually you appreciate being checked in. I really appreciate being checked (laughs) in. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think even having that language, I think the boundary is like, well, we don't, you don't want to be micromanaged. Like you, like even just knowing like, yeah, you do know what you're doing. Like, I mean, we all have moments, but like you, you have a competency that should be acknowledged in this arena, but like, but checking in. Yeah. is good. (laughs) Yeah. And even helping you process through things is helpful. You know, I think everybody is, is always benefited from someone being able to help process Hmm. um, a situation or experience in some way, shape or form. Yeah. This is really good. I'm learning a lot today, so this is great. Um, (coughs) Are there any other like common misconceptions or pitfalls about this kind of approach of how people move from being a newbie to being competent? Sure. Excuse me. I think, um, what's hard is trying to figure out how to identify at first. Um, I think a lot of it is, is just shared conversation. And I, what I, Mm -hmm. when you have a shared language, you can discuss it a little bit easier. Um, as it, as opposed to saying like, Oh, I think you're D3. Well, I actually, you know, um, (laughs) no, like what, what is that? that? I don't even understand. But Mm -hmm. yeah, but we're, but having this discussion, um, yeah, some people can come into a situation, which is very common actually, um, where, like I was mentioning before, um, they feel very D4 in, um, Mm. or even your example earlier with, um, somebody who's really skilled, who's put on a lot of events before and they Mm -hmm. get a binder, right? A binder is probably too much. However, you know, this person for the very first time might be directing this particular event for the first time. Okay. So they might actually come in with a little bit of prideful attitude of like, well, I don't need any help at all. Mm. And you might actually be like, well, Hmm. There's these specific dates, there's these specific vendor or whatever, you know, like there's some things that are actually kind of applicable to this particular event that you might not actually have experienced before. You might Hmm. need some direction, specific direction around that. Um, And having a conversation around that um, can be really helpful. But that's hard because, you know, now you're coming and telling somebody that well you, you think you're d4 but actually you're d1 and so yeah it's that kind of awkward um like okay wait what do they really need right now we're not <laughs> like, seeing this from the same we're not, perspective we're not a line yes <laughs> and uh before we started the conversation you even mentioned that there's like a whole subset of training that can go along with that exact thing of like someone we're disagreeing on where you fall in the spectrum, maybe based on your performance or what I'm seeing that you're not seeing like blind spots or whatever. What was that again? Sure. Um, so what they call it is SBI, um, okay. having an SBI conversation, which is basically an acronym for S means situation, B mm-hmm. is behavior, and then I is impact. So um, S- situation, situation, behavior, and impact. Situation, okay. behavior, impact. And essentially what you would say is to Joe is D4 in most things, um, you know, you could say, well, in this situation, um, I noticed uh, you left off this one vendor who um, we always in- include mm-hmm. for this reason and this reason. Um, and when you did that, the behavior, like when, you, when that um, the behavior was leaving out the vendor, but the impact is that this vendor felt like, uh, no longer felt like included mm. in this event and has left now the organization or something of that regard. So, um, you know, it might be helpful to spend a little bit of time on maybe some specifics for this particular event. Um, that would that would help um, so, as, as you're learning what this event feels like. You know. Yeah. So 
if someone wanted to, like, we won't really go any deeper about that aspect of it in this conversation, but if someone was feeling like, yes, I do find myself in that right now, or I find myself in that often of like, someone thinks that they're maybe further along on this or uh, above correction, and, and you're coming along and saying, actually, not so much. I'm seeing some gaps. I don't quite know how to have that conversation in a healthy way that the SBI approach can help. Yeah, I found it very, very helpful. Um, just even just to give an example, concrete example. Hey, here's the situation, mm-hmm. and this is this behavior, and this is the impact of all of that. Because a lot of people have good intentions, and I always love to give people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. if I can in all those situations. But giving them a concrete example and then also relating it to the impact of that, I think helps people on other like, oh, okay. It doesn't have to be shameful. It doesn't have to be putting down. It doesn't have to be like condemning. Yeah. Oh, you totally missed this, you fool. Yeah. Um, but uh, it can just more or less be like, this is this is this what was seen, and this is the impact. That's really good. Anything else that would be like a common mistake or pitfall? If someone just starts, they listen to this podcast, they're like, all right, I'm in. Uh, I'm gonna approach uh, situational leadership with different people and start using this language of D one, two, three, four. Um, are are there just common mistakes people make when they first start implementing this? Um, I think, I mean, the most common is just trying to understand where to fall. Because if you want to do this well, you're, you're constantly thinking, well, shoot, what stage are we at? How do I match leadership? Mm -hmm. But if you just, if anything you hear from this, it would be the two, um, distinguishing factors, support and direction. And if you can think through that and ask yourself that question, does this person need more direction at this time? Mm -hmm. Um, and even ask them. Like, I think what's great about this tool is it helps other people self-identify. So as a leader, I love it when somebody I'm coaching is like, oh, this is exactly what I need. And this is what I'm looking for. In fact, that happened mm-hmm. not too long ago. Um, and I was so grateful for someone mm-hmm. to tell me that. I was like, yeah. yes, of course I can give you more direction. Thank you for asking, you know. Yeah. Um, and so even just having that conversation with somebody, like, when you think about this task, like, do you want more direction? Would that be helpful? Um it's a good starting place. A lot of times people don't always know what they need. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think you have to continually think of, of asking them questions and trying to be a detective in some ways mm. <laughs> of what's what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, and what's, what's coming into it. Listening a lot to, um, and sometimes reading in between the lines, which would be helpful, but support and direction, support and direction. This is maybe off topic, but I'm thinking right now of the person who does their indie one. They, they do need a lot of direction and you don't really know how to direct them. Let's say you're responsible for them, but you've never done their job. You, you, you're not trained in it. And here you are leading someone else who's also not trained. And like, have, have, have you come across that or do you have any advice for people who find themselves in that situation? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's really hard. Um, I I think to be even to be upfront with where you are at in it mm-hmm. um, and almost acknowledging. So, sample, I don't play guitar. And like, I mean, you do kind of. Oh, well, okay. A little. Yeah, like, eh. I mean, I could play one chord. Yeah. <laughs> or, okay. No, or like, sorry, one key. The key sure. of G. If any song is in the key of G. You got it. I got it. I can nail okay. that. Uh, so I am, <laughs> but compared to other people, uh, especially on the worship team, um, that is definitely, they're much better than me <laughs> than that. But I might be put into a, um, a place where I might have to direct 
something yeah. in the band. Mm-hmm. And I might have to direct a guitarist. Um, and so if I put myself in a position that I'm like, oh, well, I know everything <laughs> and I'm going to direct you now. They're going to see through that. They're going to totally see through that. Yeah. They're gonna be like, and they're not going to listen to a thing I say. <laughs> yeah. But if I can put myself in a position of like, actually, what I really want to do is help you do what you need to do well. Um, and if I need to mm. get somebody else to help you do that or look something up or even just be transparent that like I maybe I'm not the right person to give you this this advice or give you this coaching, mm-hmm. um, but I want to help. Um, I feel like that's more received than yeah. um, trying to like like, oh, well, I can tell you everything that needs to know about guitar. And what is that thing called that you're pushing right now? Is that a pedal? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I, I think. We've, we've sometimes said this and it bears repeating that like if someone asks you a biblical question, let's say, sure, it's great to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll, I'll search with you and, and we'll try to find out the answer that sometimes I think people shy away from some sort of spiritual leadership, leading a Bible study, leading something because they're like, I don't know all the answers yet, sure. but you really can lead someone in a D, uh, you don't have to make it all the way to D4 to be alongside and coach people who are D1. Sure. Um, you can be on the journey too. And, and the more aware that you are as a leader of what you do know and what you don't know yes, can really help serve everybody. And uh, people are way more um, receptive to, um, connected to leaders who are, are more humble, more, more apt to notice their flaws than their strengths um, than, than people who try to fake it. Um, and I'm also thinking, um, man, in any area that we as believers have found ourselves making it to the, the D4 quadrant, I mean, the calling is always on us to then share it with others. Like, um, okay, yeah, you've reached this point where you're pretty competent about something. If you're not sharing it with someone else and developing the next generation, developing somebody in it, th- that really is a mess. We're supposed to make disciples. Absolutely. Um, so... Yeah, we're always looking for the ways to do that. Um, so if we were to start, and we'll end here, if, if we were to start implementing this kind of language more at PLC, um, w- w- I mean, can you can you kind of paint the picture, paint the vision for us of what it would look like for ministry leaders, ministry volunteers to be having situational leadership-related conversations around the area of development? Sure. Um, well, so, um, I can, I can see it applicable in so many different areas. Um, but I, for my own, uh, experience, so take worship team, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first came on, like I had, I had played keys before I had worshiped, you know, I led worship in other places before, but when I stepped onto the Pearl Lake stage and I looked down at that keyboard that you, that keyboard up there, yeah. I, my head wanted to explode. I was like, <laughs> what on earth is this thing? Yeah. Like, and what is Ableton? And oh my goodness, um, yeah. all of those things. There's lots, so many different details all around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were really helpful to come around me and give me very specific direction. Mm-hmm. You were like, okay, this is what, um, you know, and that was intuitive, I think at the, at the time, but Let's say because we were all new. We were all new. <laughs> we were all like. <laughs> I actually just saw a photo recently of like the very very first roster that was like taped up to my wall in my office, and it was like Brad and Rachel Black and <laughs> right. like a couple other people, and that was it. And I was like, this was our whole band. So yeah, it was intuitive. It's then. fun to see how far we've come. <laughs> yeah, it's a really awesome. Yeah. Um, but yes, but let's say in that moment you uh, you didn't like you were like oh she's fine 
you know, um, oh, or she yeah. looks like she has it. She looks like she's got it. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. want to like annoy her and make her feel like somehow yeah. she's not that great. And so I'm going to let her just mm-hmm. go ahead and flounder around for a while, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, uh-huh. you know, then if we had had this shared language, I could have been like, oh, you know what? Actually, what I'm feeling right now is like, ah, oh, I just feel like a little D1. I just, I'm really excited to be here and I'm really glad to play, but I don't know anything that I'm looking at right now. How do you, what buttons do I need to push? And like, mm-hmm. you know, and and then I could tell you um, verbally like, oh, what I need is direction. And mm. that would, I think that would fuel connection between us. If we, cause you uh, going your separate way and me going my separate way and me feeling frustrated, that would be definitely feel disconnecting, right? Yeah. Wouldn't feel like, oh, we're not really part of a team. We're not unified. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of alone hmm. and, and left to kind of figure things out myself. But when I can invite you in and say, you know what? I need a little more direction on this. And, mm-hmm. you're, and you, of course, you'd be like, of course, I want to yeah. give you that. That's I have I'm no here. other volunteers right now, so <laughs> right? I have nothing but time. <laughs> That's how, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I think that is when you're anytime you're doing something new or serving in a new place at Prairie Lakes or, or anything, it's like if you can verbalize that to to your leader or to mm-hmm. you can um, start a conversation that can help feel connection. And um, which yeah. would which is what we all want, you yeah. know, and that's when um, that's what I feel like um, is what makes serving at Prairie Lakes just amazing is when you have connection with everybody and these friendships that are. Yeah. are just um, rooted in so many things. And part of that is just like transparency and like, hey, this is what I need. Of course I can help, you know. Yeah. That all adds to all of that. Yeah, that's so good. I really appreciate you taking time to have this conversation with me today and um, taking the leap into the unknown of podcast recording and doing so do what? Just, uh, just an outstanding <laughs> job. You you must have just gone through that whole cycle. Amazing direction. One to four, I have this great like, outline here. Yes, I feel very served. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, gave, I gave you an outline. I mean, <laughs> nothing but direction here. Um, so I think like in terms of parting thoughts for our listeners, um, maybe just some self-reflection questions. Uh, as you hear this podcast today, you know, think of a couple areas uh, of things that you are doing or that you're responsible for and try to self-identify. Am I in D1 right now? Am I in D3 right now? And why um, does does that inform a little bit of um, either what's working well or what's not working well with the per- person supervising me? And then flip it around to the people that you're responsible for. Um, if you were to put uh, you, ideally, you'd you'd ask, you'd open up this conversation to the people you're leading. But but even right now in this moment, um, take the people that you um, that God has kind of put in your care, and uh, begin to ask yourself, all right, what are, are are they D one, two, three, or four, and and why? And so then, does that mean that maybe I need to be giving more support than I am? Does that mean that I need to be giving more direction than I am? Am I giving too much direction? Am I giving <laughs> empty support without? So, um, what uh, what are the gaps there? And and then are the symptoms of the relationship? Are the symptoms of the results uh, pointing to maybe some some conversations that need to happen? So, again, thank you for joining in today. Thank you for listening, and uh, we pray that you as a leader will continue to grow and develop in all the ways that God is uh, calling you to. 